This is the EY Podcast, Tax and Law in Focus, bringing you ideas for leadership. I'm your host, Susanna Streeter. In this podcast, we're going to focus on how the tax function can be made smarter by honing in on one particular example. Four years ago, Dow Chemical Company's tax function was facing a tidal wave of challenges. It was engaged in major M&A activity. It was scrambling to keep up with a fast-moving operating environment. And at the same time, the company was faced with the increasing sophistication of the tax authorities who were demanding ever greater transparency and real-time access to digital tax data. Working out why decisions were made was so complex that the tax function was dubbed a black box by executives. It needed radical transformation to become a true strategic partner to the business. Now, this wasn't just to meet compliance requirements, but also to add value to everything from investment decisions to competitive analysis. Well, fast forward four years and that metamorphosis has been completed, but just how was it achieved? Well, that's what we're going to unpick in this podcast with the help of the team who made it happen. But before we do, please remember conversations during this podcast should not be relied upon as accounting, tax, legal, investment, nor other professional advice. Listeners must, of course, consult their own advisors. Well, let me now introduce Marcelo Vieira, Dow's Director of Tax Strategy and Global Tax Operations. Hello, Marcelo. Hello. How are you doing? Very well. Great to have you on the podcast and also very pleased that you're going to be chatting with Andrea Gronenthal, who's EY America's Strategic Tax Transformation Leader. Welcome, Andrea. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Great to have you. And Marcelo, let me start with you because I'm really intrigued by the black box description of the tax function. Just how complex was it? <laughs> That's a good question because talk about the black box. It's basically the ability to translate tax to the business, right? The business know how to do business, how to serve our customers, how to prepare for the inventory crisis, logistics, etc. But not necessarily all the business has clarity about how complex it is to operate in a very regulated uh, tax environment in many countries, right? Dow operates in more than 100 countries. At the time, we had more than 800 legal entities in our corporate structure and constantly being challenged by the tax authorities, changing rules, requiring uh, different business models or supply chain taxations. And this was impacting directly the business and tax coming. Look, you cannot do this this way anymore. You have to change it for another way. And the business not understanding. So one of the points of the black box for sure is the ability to translate tax to the business. And the other is not having the business surprised by a millionaire tax assessment or in a worst case scenario, not the name of the company in the front page of a, a newspaper, right? So that was the black box that the business didn't understand. Let me bring in Andrea. And since 2018, EY has been working with Dow on this subject, on this project. Tell me about the first deep dive, which really brought the problems into sharp relief. What were your first impressions, Andrea, about what needed to change to create an intelligent tax function? And what does that mean in practice? You know, at the time, Dow was going through a significant transaction, and there was just a tremendous amount of complex tax issues to deal with. Um, We were brought in uh, to 
take a look at the tax organization and really figure out how to make sure they both successfully navigated the transaction, but also um, were set up post-transaction in a most effective way. And so one thing that was very interesting is we, we came in and did a voice of the customer series of surveys with all the major stakeholders involved. And what was very clear as a result of those surveys was that there was a disconnect on what was the perceived priorities and how tax was oriented and structured to align with those priorities. And, you know, once we were able to sort of zero in on that, it led to a full restructure of the organization, really under the premise that what needed to be done as a strategic business partner was that they were going to have to fundamentally change, you know, the organization itself to make it an intelligent tax function. And really what when you say what is an intelligent or smart tax function, it's one that is um, aligned to the strategic priorities and are effective stewards of risk. They get the compliance done and the other uh, routine activities done in the most efficient and effective way. It uh, really does sound as though you grasp pretty straight away what you needed to do. And at the same time, Marcella, what kind of disrupted forces were there, both internally and externally, that, that made this so urgent from your side? Yes, and that's uh, basically, I think Andrea touched some of those points. The, ma- the major M&A transaction that we were doing at the time, you know, combining two entities and splitting into three public independent companies, with the you know, requirements of huge carve out of data, huge processes, valuations globally, understand the people who would stay, who would move to those new organizations. So this was something that was a key factor. You now at the time that we were looking and experienced at the time, we were looking also for the future, you know, how we will be ready after this major transaction to operate efficiently. The portfolio of Dow changed, the counters that we were operating changed as well. So we needed to be ahead of this game when we started this journey. When we were discussing another topic that is very common is the assertive tax authorities requiring more and more data at the real time and put up a big challenge for the companies that should be ready to support for those demands. And finally, the transparency. The tax transparency is something that is in the agenda of all the companies right now. The ESG, Environmental, Social and Governance, is something on the BEPS initiatives, global, and every country has their shape of how they want to be served by the tax transparency. I think those are the major items that I can highlight. So, okay, Andrew, let's drill down into what Marcella was talking about there. Some of it, at least, the demand from the tax authorities for real-time access to digital tax data. What needed to change at the heart of the function to enable that? Well, you know, with as much stuff that is occurring around the world with tax reform, ESG, digital tax, and just every country trying to build their tax base in response to the COVID crisis and their fiscal crisis associated with that. There was just so many different jurisdictions and different tax types that are really 
moving towards more of a digital tax administration and approach to um, taxation. And so at the heart of it, you have to put together a data management strategy, and you really need to get a mastery of the data around the globe. And so for Dow, you know, in this case, we had to not only figure out how to, you know, capture that data, aggregate that data, and analyze that data. But we also had to create processes that didn't exist at the time. And we needed to build up the competencies within the organization to manage the tax responsibilities in a much more agile fashion and with a much stronger data and technology orientation. And so when you really look at it, it was a fundamental change across people, process, data, and technology. So do you think, Marcelo, that the tax function perhaps was too separated from the strategic direction of the business for the C-suite to fully understand the changes that needed to be made? It's always a challenge, right? When you are so focused on the day-to-day and not necessarily communicating with the C-suite, the strategy of the company from a tax perspective, right? The priorities of the company is currently change, you know, and the tax environment is also very disruptive and change every day. And I think, you know, that's one of the major challenges, you know, is to keep up the C-suite and the business update to, to the tax department strategy. So we are together sitting on the table and understanding if we are growing and where we are growing and why the business want to go in that direction. Tax will not say no, no, the business here and now we have a concept where the business is the pilot, but the finance is the co-pilot. And tax is part of the pilot. So we know how to operate. We know how to know navigate the airplane, but the business drive us. So I think for a while we were very isolated, you know, doing our tax planning, our tax strategy, tax compliance without the proper communication. Had there been a bit of uh, tinkering around the edges in a way, trying out an incremental approach before you realized you needed a change in strategy? Yeah, and this is good because the point here, Susanna, it's uh, when we think about this project and everyone, and I've been speaking with other companies as well and partners with UI and others about the project, for sure, we had a well-designed project with a deadline, deliverables and expectations, right? I mean, a payback to the business. No, we are not investing in tax if we don't have a payback from uh, risk mitigation, compliance, structure, you know, and uh, and many other aspects of the project. But this is not a short-term project. No, we create a foundation, but this was always a long-term, you know, project, a long-term journey because the world is changing. You know, when we have a crisis in Europe and the price of the energy now goes up, you know, change the entire economic landscape and consequently the tax landscape as well. Supply chain change, we needed to change and adapt to this from the tax side, the transfer pricing rules, where we are moving our inventory. So it's complex to navigate. So yes, we are always changing the strategy. Now that's a long-term strategy, a long-term journey here. So Andrew, you you realized that a bigger vision was needed to elevate the tax function, I suppose, from above just managing compliance. So how did you go about achieving that? Well, one of the first things we did was sit down with the variety of key stakeholders and customers 
and we reoriented how they look at tax. Uh, and we also worked with the tax team to think differently about, you know, what their responsibilities were, were and how to execute on those. So we, we focused on three critical areas, value creation, risk management, and cost effectiveness. And when we, when we brought the desires and expectations of senior leadership and the business uh, together with the tax you know, leadership and you know, sort of where they thought the priorities were, once we got those aligned, uh, it really became very clear um, what that journey needed to look like. And so the whole focus, you know, as Marcelo said, this was going to be a journey. We had put together a multi-year transformation program that really helped them not only address some of the immediate needs related to the transaction, but also, as we discussed earlier, focus on positioning them to be able to manage effectively in the future. And so it really necessitated sort of that future back orientation and understanding all the different possible disruptors of which there is an endless number and understand, okay, you know, we're not going to know all of these things um, in the crystal ball, if you will. We are going to be able to tell what capabilities you will need to have to be able to address those things um, as they come along. And with the pace of change, that really meant we had to focus on building out uh, an enablement platform and capabilities that would give the organization the agility to adapt to change. And so, as Marcelo said, you know, we went on this journey and we put in some of the capabilities and we were constantly recalibrating. And, you know, so if you look at what's happened over the last four years um, in the Dow tax organization, they've built all these tremendous capabilities. And now they can look into the future and see, you know, just as Marcelo said, you know, we've got things that are disruptors like the energy crisis in Europe. They're able to adapt. And because they have these capabilities, they're able to work very closely with the business and senior leadership to then sort of reorient and continue to adjust how they are doing today's work, but also continuing to build upon those capabilities as things continue to shift as they move forward into the future. Mm -hmm. And of course, Marcelo, you had to gain buy-in from your company's executive leadership. And given that we've already talked about how the tax function had kind of been isolated from the C-suite. How did you do that? And how key was this? I think the business, when, when we unveil this black box and we're sitting on the table, and of course I'm competing, you know, that old tax is competing projects and money investments from an IT organization with the business as well. And in the past, you know, functions was always in the second or the th- uh, third tier, you know, in, in that capex and uh, no um, investment from the technology because of course we want to go make sure the business the, the the team the treasury and other functions don't have their tools to operate as well and I, what i can see here is because we unveil this black box the business understand the value of the tax the business understand that we when we don't com- we don't comply properly with the craziness you know of a particular country that requests you know the 
color or the license plate of the truck that is transporting our products, you know, and if you don't do that, we receive a penalty and that penalty will eat part of the profits of the business. You know, I mean, that is a whole ballpark game in this discussion. So now business understand much more the importance of being in compliance. They always understood, but now, you now with the current tax environment, business understand the value when tax is advising, you know, which is the best way to, to, to deliver and to move things from A to B for several tax aspects. And, and the business also understand the overall value proposition of the, the strategy. So with that, we have a business by our side, you know, supporting the large majority of our projects today. And I think talking a little bit what Andrea talked about those enables, Susanna as well. And she touched critical points here in terms of the data and in terms of the, the structure, you know, the, everything that we needed to have to operate efficiently. It's, it's interesting here, in the beginning of this journey, especially from the data and technology piece, we run surveys and we track, you know, the efficiency of our team. And that was something that EY had in a, in a shelf, you know, as a result of their previous um, surveys. But we, we added the same methodology in DAO to identify how much time we use, the tax department was consumed by each process. And around 60 to 70% of our time was to manipulate data. And 30% to do planning, advisory, etc. So 70% of our time globally was extracting data, massaging the data, putting the data in the right, right format to, to give to the tax authorities. Only 30% for planning, advising, strategic thinking. Now we pivot this completely to be in a 30-40% data massage and 60% strategic, you know, and that was the big piece of the transformation, the results that came along with this project. So to do that, to get that efficiency and effectiveness and really push it to a whole new level, Andrea, what kind of processes and technology really was needed? Well, at the heart, um, as I mentioned, the data management strategy in the instance of DAO, we put together a you know sort of core at the center was a data hub um, that brought in all the information that tax needed and made it fit for purpose. And that was critical uh, and foundational to creating those savings that Marcelo had referenced. Secondly, they needed to have a way to manage the processes all around the globe. And so another uh, big piece of the technology was uh, putting in a process management solution um, or, you know, a, tax, a global tax portal. And so that was another piece that was pretty critical to make sure that they were able to get that transparency and consistency across the globe. And then once we had those pieces of technology, we were able to anchor it with intelligent uh, automation, RPA, you know, machine learning, and some of the other you know, sort of key compliance-related technology. So we created an entire enabling technology ecosystem 
that sits at the heart of um, how Dow has been able to become much more relevant as Marcelo was talking about Dow being the tax organization being third or fourth tier in the business decisions, uh, what was key to be relevant with the business as they're going through their changes is being able to be very quick um, and in many cases nowadays proactive in analyzing the information and bringing insight to the business. And so historically, if it had taken the tax organization to, you know, six weeks to compile the information to be able to come back with a recommendation, that's not fast enough for the the, the pace of change in the business. And now because of the the sort of the enablement platform that the tax organization works from, you know, they are able to you know, be very responsive to what's happening in the business and what's happening externally. And so as a result, they have made themselves far more relevant, um, which gave them access to a seat at the table. Uh, and and really, that's, that's sort of at the heart. It was a data transformation that really allowed them to get to that spot. And of course, Marcelo, you also had to decide what should be outsourced and what should be kept in-house? And that must have been pretty tricky. So how were those decisions made? Yeah, that's a great question because when we're talking about outsourcing, outsourcing is something that is very particular for, I would say, every company, every tax department, every chief tax office or CFO that is deciding. You know, some of them truly believe in the power of the outsourcing. Some of them question, you know, the benefits and the costs associated with the outsourcing. So to share a little bit our journey, yes, we decided to do some of them. And we we, we are, I mean, always, you know, assessing, you know, the results and the decision. But basically, it was a combination of analyzing the the people, you know, and, and the human elements at, at at the time when we decided, do we have the right people to perform this work, you know, strategically? Also, we analyzed based on some of the repetitive activities or or some of what we call I don't I don't like to usually to say low value activities, but it's more uh, massive activities that you know was using our team. Time is of our team and our team was not using necessarily their time for the strategic text analysis and, and, and projects. So all of this was part of the, the, this strategy. Today, Susanna, outsource is one of the models, right? We have outsourcing, we have co-sourcing, we have a functional outsourcing. When you go even beyond, you know, you, you outsource the entire text function. So what we decided here in DAO is for some of the pieces, we want to have some control. We co-source part of the the process. So we do parts, the co-source do the other part, and we exchange. We are very integrated with the the, the provider partner. For other process, we did just a, a regular outsourcing. We said, like, I don't want to fulfill a thousand forms. I don't want to do that because, you know, I have my employee that m- will give much more value for the organization, having them help me with audits or help me with tax planning. So for that, because we could not increase in people, you know, for, for budget constraints or other things, you know, we, we decide to outsource pieces and keep the our, our talents, you know, and refocus them to the strategic areas. Andrea, would you agree with that approach uh, from Marcelo? Yeah, absolutely. So there were two things that we really looked at. 
well, actually, probably three. So first, we we worked with the tax organization to determine what they felt were going to be the strategic priorities of the, the tax organization. Then we looked at what the capabilities were and, for example, how much investment that they would have to do to, to sort of migrate to additional capabilities. And so when we looked at it, we said, okay, if, if it's something strategic, you want to be best in class. And that's where you want to put your transformation investment. And if it's, you know, something that's, you know, not as strategic or requires a lot of time to, to accomplish, or you've had a, a great deal of deferred investment, that we want to try and do best in cost and, and leverage a business partner to take that in any of the forms, as Marcelo mentioned, whether it was co-source, outsource, or functionally outsourcing. And, you know, one of the great examples, Marcelo, was, um, you know, you guys had uh, your direct tax compliance clients on corp tax. And, you know, you guys had been using corp tax for years, and there was a fair amount of work that would have had to been done to sort of get that upgraded where you needed it to be. And what we did instead was we said, okay, now's the time to consider moving to a different product and um, work with a business partner who could take the process, transform it, and also help uh, train their people so that if they wanted to bring it back in-house, they could, and it would have been a completely different technology, and all of their people would have been trained on it in a less disruptive way. Yeah, and I agree, Andrew. I think you, you touch a good point. When we think about source outsourcing, each operating model, Another thing that we analyze, Susanna, in our journey is how and when makes sense, right? We have to have a maturity organization when we take these decisions, especially in a, in a company the size of Dow. If you are a small company and you just outsource because you have two people, you know, this is easy decision. This is an easy decision. But when we are talking about an outsourcing that you don't have, a, you still don't have like a mature process to hand over to the outsourcing, you are setting yourself for failure, you know? So everything that we decided here, you know, with UI and the partners that we use it, we put a very robust process. We make sure we have the data to send it to the co-sourcing or outsourcing partner so they can operate efficiently. We knew that we were expecting. We have the KPIs. So it was very thoughtful process, you know, it was just not a, an easy process. Let's outsource. Well, it took like years for us to figure out and how. So all our, our current outsources has been very successful. And something we've not touched on yet is to what extent this whole transformation was also to do with the fight for talent among tax professionals. Marcelo, how much of a challenge is that? That's a, also a great point because despite the fact I've seen a boom of tax professional recently, you know, and more and more, you know, you see the tax in the agenda and, and, and in the universities or in the, in the workplace, but the equation of uh, demand and offer, you know, is not solved yet. So and that comes back you know, to the outsourcing piece as well. Some of the things that we decided to outsource was because we could not find the talent profile where we allocated. 
And we have several issues with our you know locations. You no, know, we one of our tax operations uh, and team you know is located in, in in Brazil in São Paulo, where we have a fight for tax professionals because we have a lot of headquarters, a lot of companies always searching and seeking you know for tax managers, indirect tax managers. So we are fight against other companies, and and we have all the two tax operation centers that is located in a more remote area. So our challenge is to attract people to decide to move to Midwest, you know, and retain those people in here. So the, the talent is for sure is one of the critical aspects that was a key component in the overall strategy. Make sure we retain the team. Now is a little bit different after COVID, right? Because in the past we were in physically in presence in the office. Now we have more ability to do remote. But the remote also brings other challenges in terms of culture, adaptation. So people is, for me, is still the hard piece in this overall equation. And as you say, it's it's a global challenge. And Andrea, talking about the global challenge, you, you know, you have to also uh, make sure that you've got full sight of the evolving risk picture right around the world as well, don't you? You do. You definitely do. In more so in today's environment than ever, um, you know, with all of the uh, initiatives around the globe, uh, whether it's BEPS or, you know, uh, transparency measures or compliance assurance programs, it really necessitates that you can see all of the tax activities of the organization and make sure that they're being properly managed and, you know, your positions are consistent. And as ever on a project like this, we are continuously evaluating the global picture and you you really have to. So Marcelo, as Andrew's saying, you've got this global holistic approach, but how do you also ensure that you have your eyes firmly on the ground and that the function can still get to grips with the granular data? Yes, and that is uh, this is part of this entire data strategy and data management team. When we started this journey uh, with UI and mapping our future needs, now we had three or four, five, you know, people globally dedicated to the data management and technology. Now our current portfolio of people and also tax professionals. Now I would not say necessarily the histor- historical tax professional because our tax profile has been changed. But right now we have more than 25 people only dedicated to data management and technology to have that granularity that we, we discussed in the past, right? So using a lot of new ETLs you know, uh, to extract, transform, and lift the information. The power by our data hub, data lake, data pool, you call uh, as you want. <laughs> you know, we have a tech-sensitized uh, data that we use it to, to streamline our processes. And, of course, you know, discovering new technologies on every day. So we schedule things. Now, in the past, we were pulling those huge reports and taking like an hour or two hours. Now we set up all those reports to run over the night. So we have the reports ready in India or ready in Brazil or here, you know, at the time that we set up. So we don't have our team spending time on this and they are spending time on different aspects of, of the data. And what other impacts from your point of view, Marcelo? has this this global tax platform had? Well, uh, I mean, it's huge, right? When we think how we operate in the past and how we operate today, it's a kind of uh, 
um, water and wine, you know, if we compare, I prefer wine, you know, I know that people, some people <laughs> will prefer water, but in one example, Suzanne, Susanna, it's, um, when we started this, for instance, we were in the first, uh, first quarter of the COVID. When we needed to release, you know, the entire tax organization and said, go to your home, bring your computer. But we have weekly, daily tax obligations and filings and payments. How are we going to control this? You know, if we don't have those systems and if we don't know what the people are doing in, in our global department, you know, we have more than 200 tax professionals in our team uh, spread it globally. So one of the things that I can share is, you no, know, we did this, you know, even in, inside DAO with competing with other functions, we knew in the next day, the obligations, what the people were doing, what the file was storage, the copy of the payments, the elections, the, because we create a global platform that we operate as an entire team. Now, before we used to do an Excel list with the leader, you know, with the to-do and the deadlines. I mean, it was very effective, but now we are in another level where people can see their tasks in their outlook, in their computer in their phone you know and i'm not i'm not advocating that everyone will everyone will be looking during the weekend you know what they're gonna do in your phone but it's there if you need we operate in a very different environment and was of course a huge disruption internally to make this happen a lot of resistance people resistance system resistance it fighting with other stakeholders for priorities but when we discuss in the entire tax leadership and also with the, the, the team, do you want to go back two years ago when we were? And absolutely the answer is no. You know, they, they don't know how to operate in a different environment right now. Yeah. What Dow put together for their platform on a global basis is truly world-class. It is really taking the tax organization to the next level. And, you know, I think it's been become very visible within Dow broader organization, the change and how that platform has really lifted the organization. Uh, and right now what you see happening at Dow is tax was the the lead adopter on a great technology that has really been a game changer. And now you're seeing other parts of the organization and the finance organization also trying to extend that solution into finance as well. And so it's been it's been a huge value add for the tax organization. What are the processes, uh, Marcelo, like technologies and analytics that were introduced to increase efficiency and reduce risk of really reap rewards? And what other changes do you think there may be to come? Yeah, I think, of course, it's a combination of keep updated in these new technologies, right? And combine it with robust training of your organization. Something that we always discuss is the sustainability when we are talking about this, right? I mean, the consultant comes, sometimes they present all these new tools and some of the tools are very complex, but then it will become dependent on the consultants to operate those tools. So something that we always discuss with Andrea and was a key, you know, of a piece of the strategy is how can we enable something that we as a tax department can operate later independently, of course, with some partnership with consultants in terms of strategy, new tools, additional trainings, but we were not 100% dependent. And that was built in our overall strategy. So a quick example, 
Uh, Susanna, um, two weeks ago, we launched Latin America, you now with this overall transformation, we are doing that now is the third phase, you know, in Latin America is the one that is currently delivering those projects. We have the major technology transformation in Latin America. When we talk with the team, the team is extremely excited for everything that they learn. Professionally, personally, they know that they are very much more marketable professionals, you know, after being exposure to all this technology. We did two days of the Data Digital Academy now in Latin America with the entire team, 80 people attending technology seminars, being trained, talking about the future, how can they do better? So you speak with the team now, they speak with a different a different mindset. So it's super exciting. And that energy, you know, goes beyond the tax department. You know, as Andrea was saying, you know, the treasury is now curious, controllers are curious. The business is like, oh my gosh, I've never seen such nice tool. And this is, you, you, you transform the organization, you know, the finance organization, Starting in tech is very powerful. Great. It's really great to hear. And Andrea, in what way do you see kind of continued returns on this investment? Of course, Marcelo has been talking about time and efficiency savings. What other returns are there? Well, definitely, I think um, there's a lot of benefit from a value creation perspective. Um, The amount of analytics that Marcelo and his team are able to do very quickly and agilely on the business data it is incredible, right? And so it goes back to being able to frame up the information and being relevant in the business conversation. And I do think that this platform and the tool really bring the tax organization to a different level. And most definitely from just an overall effective risk management perspective, the tool enables them to have the global transparency that they need to know where there might be emerging areas of risk so that they can get in front of them and manage them effectively and make sure that they're taking consistent uh, approaches around the globe. Uh, So again, the portal, the solution absolutely does that for them. And as Marcelo, lastly, as Marcelo has said, the cost effective uh, approach. I mean, they have, you know, been able to continuously identify more efficient ways to do things uh, because they're they're using the the technology to help them identify, and and so they've created a continuous improvement mindset. Yeah, and Andrea, I think you touched some of the points, but Susanna, to give some examples, no, I mean two concrete examples. During the pandemic, you no, know, the first three six months of the pandemic, we knew that, as I said, you no, know, we are operating in more than one hundred countries, and we knew that all the countries were were publishing, you know, um, COVID relief that we could postpone some of the tax, you know, a deferred taxes, get additional deductions, so on and so forth. How the day, you know, after four months of the pandemic, I was prepared to receive the questions that, by the way, came from the C-suite, you know? Are we taking all advantages of all the reliefs globally? You know, how can you, you know, answer this if you don't have a robust platform? So we partnered with UI. This was what a tool, what we call a kind of a kind of a power app tool, what we call COVID tracker. So we had the global 
legislation available for all the countries that we operate, if the if the government was given a deferred, all public legislation, that, but we need, just need access and having our team going to a portal, reading the legislation, say, yeah, this is applicable for now, this is not applicable for now. We completed this exercise in 20 days. And we took advantage, you know, and that was a huge cash benefit for the company, just allowing the company to make an election to pay something three months later because the government was giving the, those opportunities. This is one of the examples for one of the short example that we have. The same as we have today, the global um, um, credits and incentives platform. So we also partner not only with Y, but with our stakeholders overall, but we capture the entire tax incentives applicable that you know available in the market in the US in all the countries that we operate incentives for carbon emissions incentives for for environmental for people for hiring so when we are deciding a new project with the business we go there to that particular country and we have a portfolio yes in that country they offer this. Okay, Marcelo, thank you so much for outlining all of that and just before we go I want to ask you both for any other company setting out on this journey, what is the best piece of advice that you can give, Andrea, to start off with? Well, I think one of the most important things that you need is executive sponsorship. It's really hard to move the needle if you do not have that. And when I mean executive sponsorship, that also means sponsorship from the business as well. I think change agents are very important. Identifying people within your organization that are going to help champion and, and drive change. And it is very important to engage your broader organization and, and make sure that they are a part of the process or part of the journey. Um, so they don't feel like this is being done to them, but that they're a part of creating something special. And lastly, you probably need to understand the pace of change. You need to gauge, you know, the speed in which you can make these changes. You need to have endurance um, and you need to have visible changes along the way to make sure that people have the energy to drive to a better place. And you can also win over the skeptics. So change management and sponsorship are, are super critical. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Andrea. I mean, all the company has, you know, priorities and we have our internal competitions, you know, because we have business, you know, with projects. We have one IT department that needs to be the enable for the entire organization. So how techs will be in front of a business, you know, in front of uh, HR or in front of other functions or, or areas of the company that also have compliance things they also want to transform and be better so it's all about value proposition now we sit with the business and we show our business case and as andrea mentioned you know the business the c-suite and the business support they see the value that we are bringing that's critical one point is budget it's not only Tax is the priority, but you need to have health budget to operate because some of those technologies, that is a payback, right? You need to create a data hub and requiring mapping, requires mapping the entire data set elements that you need to fulfill the compliance. You need to partner with other companies to have the best manipulation data tools, right? You need to create uh, bots, you know, we create in our journey more than 40 bots that automate the process consistently. So all of these combinations, you know, of things is critical. 
So budget, C-suite, the enablers, the tax people, the change agents. Okay, well, thank you both for being uh, so expansive and explaining everything so well on this podcast. It really has been great to hear your very valuable insights. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you. And for more information, you can visit ey.com. But a quick note from the legal team, the views of third parties set out in this podcast aren't necessarily the views of the global EY organisation, nor its member firms. Moreover, they should be seen in the context of the time in which they were made. I'm Susanna Streeter. I hope you'll join me again for the next edition of Tax and Law in Focus, brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Music